Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter, Instagram, and threads at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you're not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. We're at the time of the year when the sports calendar has slowed to a crawl, which is why it's probably been at least 10, maybe 14 days since I've put out an episode. Uh, and the next few episodes may be a little different than the standard fare. That line I have about this podcast involving the NBA primarily, but not exclusively, is going to be exercised, as in I'm going to tackle some non-NBA topics that I believe are important to discuss. And when it comes to the NFL and potentially college football, those are probably going to be added into the mix as well. Not not primarily, but uh, it's no longer going to be an exclusively NBA podcast as a result of the time that I've spent, well, over my many years covering sports, but specifically after having spent the last six months as part of Speak, the afternoon show on FS1, where we talked about the NBA, but we also spent a great deal of time talking about the NFL and college football. In doing so, I realized there's a need for the perspective that I have from my many years of covering professional sports that, again, you may not find anywhere else. And for those who may not be familiar, I started my career actually covering the NFL and the 49ers, actually going back even before that, the Chargers when they were in San Diego, and then the 49ers. So I am not foreign to football by any means. I've simply spent the greatest bulk of my time over the last 20 or so years covering the NBA and basketball. So I'm going to delve into all of that moving forward and would love to hear what your thoughts are uh, in doing so. Uh, but in any case, here we go. Uh, there are uh, a number of non-NBA topics that I believe are important to discuss that I'm going to get to first before I get to our NBA topic for this episode. Um, there are going to be two non-NBA topics. Aaron Rodgers appearing to be a 
changed man with the New York Jets and being lauded for it far and wide. And Megan Rapino being blamed for the U.S. women's national soccer team getting knocked out of World Cup play by Sweden in the round of 16. I'm then going to wrap up on why, contrary to what some believe, I actually see Chris Paul and Draymond Green being a match made in heaven for the Golden State Warriors. But let's start with Rodgers, because I don't know how many great athletes I've gone from defending and venerating to being skeptical of in this short of a time and this late in their career. And I'm, it feels as if I'm going in the opposite direction. Everybody is finding a new appreciation for Aaron Rodgers just at the time where I'm thinking, man, he's not everything that I thought he was. Now, I was a Rodgers stan, as the kids like to say, because I admired his artistry throwing a football. And I think we've seen some of that. The uh, current rendition of Hard Knocks is on the New York Jets, and it feels like an infomercial for Aaron. And it has plenty of tape, or did in the first episode, of his new teammates being impressed, uh, overwhelmed with the throws that he can make, things they've never seen before, and who he is as a person. And that he's not all that he's been cracked up to be by the media. We'll get to all that. Uh, look, I, I had no problem with his arrogance, perceived or otherwise, his occasional disagreements with his coaches. Those weren't perceived. Those were real. Because I knew he knew the game, and he had the talent to bend the rules, to make plays that, quite frankly, no other quarterback could make, that I'd seen play until maybe Patrick Mahomes came along. Reminded me a lot of the view I had of Kobe Bryant, the late Kobe Bryant. Like He didn't always get away with, get along with everybody, didn't always get along with his coaches, was always challenging people, but he was so good and he put so much time into his craft that there are allowances made. Somebody is that good, they have a louder voice at the table than the average the average Joe. And I'm talking about a very select group. Now, when it comes to Aaron, he was he's always been, or at least since he's been in Green Bay and became a full-time starter, it has been so technically sound that he could pull off trick plays, off-balance throws, on the run across his body throws to a covered receiver, and put it where only that receiver could catch it with the right pace so that it was catchable. He could, he could, that's what I mean by breaking the rules. Like there's certain things you're just not supposed to do. It's fundamentally somewhat unsound. And yet his technique was so good that he could make those things fundamentally sound. Uh, I, I admired even that he took the drafting of his replacement, Jordan Love, as a challenge to his abilities. And was so upset that he went out and won back-to-back MVP awards to prove that he still had it. It may have been out of tremendous resentment, but fact is, he went out and did it at an age where it was not expected. I didn't have issues with him having issues with the Packers' front office. Now, 
keep in mind the Packers franchise is unique because there is no specific owner that President Mark Murphy and GM Brian Gutekunst answer to. It's a publicly owned team, only one of its kind in professional sports as far as I know. As a result, Murphy and Gutekunst make safe, almost vanilla corporate moves because, essentially, they work for a corporation. And for those who might ask, yes, drafting love, rather than spending it on another target for Rodgers or doing so without giving Rodgers a heads up, is very corporate. Corporations work on an organizational chart, not a star chart, as is typical with most franchises in all sports. The organizational chart for most franchises at this this time, and it's changed, I would say, basically since the summer of LeBron, so let's say the last 10-15 years, is owner, superstar player, GM, head coach. That's not the way the Green Bay Packers work. It is the board, Mark Murphy, Brian Gutekunst, whoever the head coach may be at any given time, and then the star quarterback or the star player, whoever it might be. I would say that even with the Kansas City Chiefs, it runs a little bit different with Patrick Mahomes. Even at this early stage, I would say that Joe Burrow has moved up the organizational chart. But that does not happen in Green Bay. And I don't know that it ever will as long as they are built the way they're built and, and or owned the way they're owned and where they're located. That they are in Wisconsin where traditional principles are widely adhered to and respected, where glamour and celebrity do not generally get special dispensation, makes it all work. The reaction by Green Bay Packers fans on Rodgers going to New York, they're not, they're not attacking the franchise with torches and pitchforks. They're kind of tired of Rodgers and his need for attention and treatment, star treatment, if you will. And the fact is that when Love was drafted, Rodgers had had four straight seasons of diminished returns, diminished play, diminished performance. Finding a successor at that point is what any corporation would do if its top salesman was no longer delivering like a top salesman should. And no, they wouldn't necessarily let that top salesman know, hey, we're going out and we're hiring this guy. We're hiring your potential replacement. Some corporations might. Not every one of them would. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
but that Rodgers would fight that system, considering he would be treated differently if he were playing for any other team, was still understandable in my eyes. For that reason, he didn't lose me when he forced his way to New York and the Jets. If he was ready to experience what it was like to be truly treated like a star before his career was over, he'd earned that right. Same feeling I have about Damian Lillard wanting to go to Miami. He gave his time and effort to the Portland Trailblazers. If he wants to go at this point in his career before it's all over and experience something different, have at it. It's a free country. Where Rodgers lost me is when it became clear that he decided not to do everything he could to win his last few years in Green Bay. And that became clear in how he has behaved since he's gone to New York. Yes, he was an MVP two times over. But there was already talk while he was winning those that he did it by focusing on his statistics, that he had become obsessed with his passer rating. Now, those rumors have floated around the last few years that he was more conscious of posting a great passer rating than doing what was necessary to win games. He was now hedging his bet. It wasn't all, I'm just going to make the play that I need to play, as he had done for the better part of his career. And I know that sometimes fans don't totally understand this concept concept or think I'm crazy for presenting it when I have in the NBA that sometimes to win and ga- win a game an athlete has to forget about what his box score or stats look like and yes great athletes are so good that they can be conscious of their stats and play the game and look like they're playing the game to win when actually they're looking to make their box score or their statistics or they're trying to hit some sort of numerical value for themselves as opposed for the team. Just, it's why guys, this is the most obvious example. It's why guys wait a half second on a full court chuck at the basket so that it comes right after the buzzer. It looks like they gave it a shot, but in reality, they don't want that shot, highly low percentage, to be count, counted against their field goal percentage. So they wait that just that, that tick. The other part is giving up the ball with the clock running down, letting somebody else take that force three before the clock, uh, shot clock expires. Those are two, two simple examples, but it happens routinely in a variety of ways, or at least it can. And if you watch the game long enough, you can recognize when somebody, some player, is trying to be practical above trying to be effective or efficient above trying to be effective. Matt Stafford and how he played leading the Rams to a Super Bowl win is an example. He wasn't worried about what his box score or his stats looked like. He didn't worry about whether he looked bad at any given time. He was just going to make the next play or try to make the next play, whatever it might call for. Ended up in an uh, interception, so be it. Not something that he wanted, but 
certain times where you take calculated risks. You have to take calculated risks. Playing it safe might keep your percentage up, but it eliminates your chance of actually winning the game. Now, Rodgers has had that ability to take chances and make it work. Probably as well as any quarterback, again, that I've ever seen outside of Patrick Mahomes. But in those MVP years, he played it safe more times than I can remember, protecting his TD to interception ratio and his completion percentage. Now, I gave him a pass on that for the better part of the season because the Packers still wanted a pretty high clip. But in hindsight, I'd argue that it's one of the reasons that they consistently came up short after great regular seasons. Why he only won one Super Bowl. Because he wasn't willing to gamble the way he had previously. And once you get to that point in the playoffs, when you get to the conference championship, you're playing against a quarterback and a teams that are willing to take the calculated risk. Now what turned me is watching him do what he has done since he joined the net the Jets, which is first and foremost, cultivate relationships. Attend OTAs in order to inspire the younger players especially as wide receivers. We've already seen it in this first episode of Hard Knocks. The impact that they can have on the entire team, the coaching staff, everyone. It doesn't mean you're going to have success, but it inspires everybody, particularly when it comes from a player as great as Rodgers. And the opposite is also true. When a great, great player holds himself back from his teammates, keeps them at arm's length. That also creates a feeling and a subliminal message. He was attending OTAs. I can't remember the last time he did that, but he certainly wasn't doing any of that his last few years in Green Bay, which means he wasn't doing everything he could to win on that front either. Now, I had chalked it up to he had reached an age and a temperament where he just wasn't capable. But clearly, based on what he's done the last few months in New York, that isn't true. His teammates are far younger in New York. He just chose not to do those things in Green Bay. And I assume it was despite the Packers organization, the front office. Now, my, my bosses haven't always treated me, my various bosses over the years, haven't treated me with the respect I think I've earned, at least in a few of the places I've worked. But that didn't change how I approached the job. I wasn't going to do less than I thought was necessary for us all to be successful. Now, I know I may be unique in that, and I may be stubborn and stupid in not taking that approach. But it's just the way I'm built. It's what I believe in. And... Conversely, I don't respect anyone whose all-in attitude is conditional, who takes the attitude that they'll do what is necessary for them to look good, but not what is necessary for everybody, including management, to look good if they don't feel that they're being treated properly. I see it as selfish and 
self-defeating. Because ultimately, it is about how we collectively get things done. And people remember whether you were a contributor to the big picture or not. So that's why I have a completely different view of how he's conducted himself as a Jet than I think most people who are just thinking he's a changed man, loving this new Aaron Rodgers. It must have been all of Green Bay's fault. Yeah, Green Bay may have contributed to his attitude there. But they can't force him to have a certain attitude. And I don't see what he's doing in New York now as admirable. I see it as damning. Because it means he gave less than he could have those last few years in Green Bay. It's also why I'm not convinced it will last in New York. Once a player, this is like losing, uh, making losing or not giving 100% effort in an organization, making it okay when teams tank, is once you've allowed that, once that has in any way been accepted, it's hard to get rid of it. Once a player shows me his effort is conditional, it means if conditions aren't to his liking, there's a good chance he isn't going to fight through them to do what's right. We'll see how it plays out in New York. But I think Aaron will certainly be better than what they've had at quarterback. I don't expect that he's going to take them to a Super Bowl there simply because of how he has operated the last few months. Now, for the women's national team and their loss to Sweden in penalty kicks in the first round of the knockout stage. Because the match was played in the middle of the night, West Coast time, I recorded it. And before I could watch it, my social media feeds were inundated with posts about Rapino missing her penalty kick, as if that was what cost Team USA the win. Now, for those who may not know, Rapino, I believe, is about 35 years old. She announced going into this World Cup it would be her last she is retiring from international competition as far as I can tell. I don't think she's, uh, she's retiring from soccer altogether, just from playing for the national team. And from what we've seen, it's understandable. She's just not the same player. And the team is changing. Now, the posts I read tied the miss with her outspokenness about women's rights and how minorities, including gay and transgender, transgender Americans, are treated. And for those who may not know, Rapino is gay. Uh, but the, the posts were, go woke, get eliminated from the World Cup. Those were the taglines with the video of her sailing her shot above the right side of the goal. All of it was dead wrong. And I kind of knew that the whole connecting her outspokenness to missing the shot was wrong, convenient, a political stunt. I get all that. Although I do believe, like, I do believe it's possible to be distracted. We saw it with Kyrie Irving, to be too concerned about things outside of the job, not making the job the main thing. But there's already an indicator when, when a player announces their retirement that they've got one foot out the door. That's just the reality of the situation.
But this, the, the, the posts bothered me because in no way, in no way was Rapino's missed penalty kick the heart of why they lost. It was one of the possible ways they could have won, but it was not the reason, the biggest reason that they lost. The U.S. lost for a number of other far more prevalent reasons. They lost because Alex Morgan couldn't finish several silver plate chances in regulation. And uh, Alex went off when Rapino came in in overtime. The U.S. lost because they had a team composed much like last year's Golden State Warriors, a combination of old guard and new young talent that quite clearly didn't quite mesh. Was not impressed with the coaching that I saw um, and the demeanor of the coach about how they were playing. The old guard weren't good enough to compensate for the inexperience of the new wave of talent and the new wave couldn't perform at a high level or a high enough level to overcome the disconnect. It infuriates me that the loss was turned into a political statement in in any way, shape, or form. Rapino's outspokenness had nothing to do with the fact that she simply isn't the player she once was. Which, again, is why this is her last World Cup and why she didn't come on against Sweden until overtime. She didn't put a corner kick into the side netting because of her views on equality or the fact that she expressed them. Nor was she being un-American by expressing them. Nor am I defending those views by saying that they had nothing to do with the loss. It was a flawed team. See, I don't want to step into this and make this political on the other side. I'm just saying, the politics, whatever the political persuasions of Rapino and or anybody else were, did not result in this loss. It was a flawed team. And she is now a flawed player compared to her former self. And that's it. Nor was there anything patriotic about anyone saying that they will always root for the U.S., but they could not support this U.S. team because of their stands on equality or whatever. Patriotism isn't conditional either. Nor is it unpatriotic to take issue with how our country treats some of its citizens, which is essentially what Rapino was doing. Now, you may not agree, but that isn't justification to suggest complaining is un-American. And I mean, you may not agree with the idea or whatever thoughts or position that Rapino may have. Okay, You're, that's maybe right. It isn't justification to suggest that it's un-American. Their views are un-American. We all complain about having to pay taxes or how our politicians spend our tax money or laws that we find unfair or punitive. Is that un-American? Well, it's questioning our country and how it operates. But no, it's not. It's quite the opposite. That we have the ability to express our individual beliefs particularly when they are in support of better treatment for our fellow Americans, is the bedrock of our society. 
It is one of the gifts and privileges we enjoy that so many countries do not. It is truly part of what makes America great. We argue, we debate, but we do not desert each other. We do not forsake each other. We do not abandon each other when we are fighting for a common cause, which in this case was to win a World Cup. Now, I don't believe the women should be paid equal to the men because they have had greater success. I believe they should be provided with equal opportunity to perform at their highest level, which means providing them with equal training and whatever other support that they need. But the pay part has to do with capitalism. I realize I'm taking a little bit of a left turn here. You get paid based on what you generate, money-wise. And the women's game doesn't generate the same revenue in spite of their success. As for Rapino's miss, for those who may not have watched, the U.S. still had multiple chances in the next round of penalty kicks to still win the match. It wasn't like the, the way it was presented on social media. I thought she had that shot, she missed, and it was over. In the subsequent round of five, Sophia Smith missed high, wide, and right. Yet I didn't hear her, or and there was another player who missed in the second round of penalty kicks. I didn't hear either one of them get chastised or singled out the way the Rapino did. Doing so was a political stunt to demean one of our own, to demean a fellow American. It was unfair and truly un-American. Now, finally, about the concerns that the Warriors are destined to fail because Chris Paul and Draymond Green will have a clash of egos, that both are too prideful, too concerned about being the leader, that they will butt heads and undermine the team. Much of this is based on the idea that Paul has been a tough leader on his previous teams, that he has butted heads with teammates before, which he has. He is a demanding player, an exacting player when it comes to how his team should play. He doesn't tolerate players who don't play hard or tough or smart. Draymond is the same way and has had similar run-ins with teammates as a result. Jordan Poole obviously being the greatest and latest example. But it is exactly why I expect Draymond and Chris to respect each other and make it work because they are about the same things. And I don't think it's an accident that they are both good friends with LeBron James. They respect hard work. They respect excellence. And both have a great advantage in learning about the other through LeBron, which I'm sure they are doing. Because above all else, winning, proving their superiority over their opponent is what drives them. They very well may challenge each other, but I expect that they will make each other better by doing so. They both understand the game. I'm not saying this combination is going to get them any further than they went last year. I don't know that they're capable of winning a championship. Chris has never played in a system quite like the Warriors. I don't expect that to stand in the way. I expect that they will try to make the best of it, but I don't know how good they can be. I don't know how good they are collectively at this time. Draymond is not quite the player he was in his prime. Neither is Chris. Clay Thompson 
certainly isn't. The one outlier is Steph. And even his game has changed. He's just been able to adapt more easily, or I would say easily, but has been able to adapt more than the others to still be ultra-effective in what he does. But knowing Draymond and Chris Paul, as I do, knowing what makes them tick, the last thing I'm worried about is personal agendas getting in the way or undermining their chances. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And with NFL training camps in full swing and the approach, well, we're still a ways away when it comes to the NBA. So I don't know what we're going to have in the next episode. I'll be honest, as of right now. I'll work that over the, out over the next couple days. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.